We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Kimber Peterson. Hello, this is Kimber, and I'm your host at Smarter Parenting. I'm so excited to talk with you today about accepting a no answer, how to say no and when to say yes, navigating these exhausting choices as a parent. Sometimes I find that no's just spill out because of decision fatigue. And sometimes we need to say no because we really mean no. Teaching yourself the difference and then teaching your child to accept a no answer will make a world of difference when you're navigating this. So today we're going to go over a couple of things. First, we're going to talk about when to say no and when to say yes and how you can make some of those decisions. Then we're going to talk about the best ways to say no and to really mean no. And lastly, we're going to talk about how to teach your child to accept a no answer when one is given to them. A few days ago, I was asked my 148th question of the day, which was, can I have a snack? And I opened the pantry and offered over Cheerios or goldfish. My one and a half year old told me he wanted both. My initial reaction was to say no, but why? (laughs) I paused for a moment because I realized I was saying no because I was tired of saying yes or problem solving or figuring that out. And sometimes it's just easier to say no. I had time, we had snacks, and I really was fine with him having both. It was easier for me to say no, but I chose to say yes instead. Have you approached decision fatigue recently? (laughs) You know, it comes up for me a lot because I have toddlers, but also with teenagers and navigating some of that and their many, many questions and reasons why can be hard. So one of the ways you can navigate decision fatigue is to pause and let yourself think for a minute. I've worked with parents that do this in a variety of ways. One mom that I talked with a couple of weeks ago named Sarah told her kids to write down as many questions and asks as possible so that she could answer them all at once. So they went, they got busy, they wrote them all down, and then they came back to her and gave her the list. She was mentally prepared for those questions. It kept them occupied for a few minutes and it paused the questions for about an hour. And sometimes that's all we need. That helped in a moment where she needed them to be busy and it was easier to knock through their list. Or you can also ask them to plan out the details. An example might be, mom, can I have a sleepover at Sarah's house? I'd like you to come back and tell me the times that you'd be leaving and coming home, what you need for transportation, and who will be there. Once you have all those details, ask again and we can talk about it. Then they're busy filling up their list, getting all the details together so that it's not a back and forth that feels exhausting to you. Lay out for them what they need to do and then let them have the opportunity to come back and do it. Some of these are longer examples of buying yourself a time and saving energy, but sometimes the questions come on the fly. So it's okay to say, ask me again in five minutes, or I need a minute to think about it, or I need a couple of minutes with no talking, and then we can ask again. Once you've had the time, then navigate through the question with these simple steps. When you have time, here are a few things to ask yourself. Is it safe? So this can be physically safe um, within the boundaries that you're comfortable with. Is it reasonable? And consider things like affordability, time, attention. And is it best? Can my child learn or do I have the patience to allow them to learn through this? Is it in their best interest? Will it help support our family? Will it help support this child? Whatever that looks like to you in those circumstances. There's nobody that's going to give you all of the right answers, but you can use these questions to help you navigate when you can say yes and when you should say yes versus when you want to say no and you really have a solid reason behind that and that feels right to you. So again, is it safe? Is it reasonable? And is it best? Sometimes just picking up my fingers and going through that little list can be really helpful and just taking a moment to think through the decision um, in a quick and meaningful way that helps me give my child an answer. 
sometimes our nose fly out, <laughs> like my example with the Cheerios. I am just inclined to say no. I make decisions quickly and want to move on. So I will say no and then move on. But it's really important that you realize when that no is important to you. Sometimes the words fly out and you realize that it's really not that important to you, but you feel like you need to stick to your guns so your kid knows that no means no. So when you feel the words no fly out of your mouth and you realize, I really don't know that that's that important to me, you've got a couple of choices. You can enforce it. You said no, and so you can stand behind that no and maintain it. You can enforce it and then reward them for accepting the answer appropriately by changing the answer or giving them a piece of that answer back. So for example, it might be, can I have the goldfish and the Cheerios? And I say no, and he says, okay, and he drops it and he responds appropriately. Say, you know what? Actually, you did a great job of accepting no when I told you no. So yes, you can have both snacks because it really didn't matter to me and I was okay with that. Or your third option is to apologize and change your answer. You know what? I said no. I realize I really didn't need to say no. And I'm okay with you going ahead and going to do that. So sometimes you want to really just help your child understand you're navigating a lot of decisions and you make mistakes too. And it's okay to be human with your kids and to apologize and let them know that you made the wrong choice there and that you're okay with them going and doing whatever they were asking for. Now with this last one, I want you to be really cautious not to do it in response to a negative behavior. So for example, if I had the Cheerio scenario and I was choosing between giving him one of the two snacks or both of the snacks together, if he threw himself on the floor and started kicking his feet, that's not a time where I want to change my answer and then reinforce that behavior by giving him both snacks. So be really careful about not reinforcing a negative behavior in the process. But sometimes your kid won't have responded or they will respond in a positive way. And that gives you a little bit of that wiggle room to change that. Now, if my child did throw himself on the floor, we would practice what to do and how to handle a no appropriately. Now, after you've had the time to think about it, and you've thought about, is it safe? Is it reasonable? Is it best? And you've given your no answer and you decide, no, the answer really is no. There is no canine TSA security dog with better senses than a child that's being told no. They can smell the uncertainty from a mile away. There's this teeter-totter of voice tone here. Sometimes I have parents on one end of the spectrum that use such a soft and empathetic voice tone, they almost sound fearful of telling their child no. And the kids pick up on that. They don't accept the no answer or they argue about it. Sometimes I've got parents on the other end of the spectrum where they give such a firm and frustrated, authoritative no that they are yelling and they have to yell in order for their child to hear that no answer. And we want to find this balance right in the middle. No should land in a neutral zone. It's kind and unemotional, but also authoritative and final. If you'd like your child to learn critical thinking skills, it should also come accompanied with a rationale, not just because I said so, but a true and genuine reason why. Listen as I demonstrate a couple of no's in a few situations. No, you're not going to Jeremy's house tonight because I haven't met his parents yet. No, you cannot have a snack because we're having dinner in 15 minutes. Now these no answers aren't coming with yelling. They aren't coming with a lot of emotion. And maybe they are my 200th question of the day and I'm tired and frustrated, but I need to do something. And for me, that's taking a deep breath that can kind of neutralize my answer. And I can give my answer in a clear, calm, but authoritative manner. If you struggle with this matter of fact or neutral voice tone, then I want you to practice. Practice with your spouse, your co-parent, your mom, your best friend, anyone. 
say no a million times and work on removing the emotion, the frustration, the exhaustion, the uncertainty, whatever little tones like to sneak their way into your no answers. So that when you're giving a no answer, it's empathetic and kind, but it's neutral and authoritative and ultimately final. When I say no, I mean no. Now, this is going to take a lot of practice. Doing this today is going to start to make a difference, but it's going to take a lot of repetition and a lot of time. And you're going to need to be very consistent before your child's really going to understand and start to hear this no for what it is. Another tool that you can use is when to know for yourself that your no answer is final versus when you're open to problem solving. Because in that example that I gave earlier, my 15-year-old that wanted to go sleep at Jeremy's house in the earlier example is suddenly going to have a million solutions to that reason that I provided. This quickly can turn into an argument or a frustrating scenario where you feel like your no's not being heard. But if you decide beforehand, the answer is no for this reason, but I'm open to discussion, or the answer is no, and I'm not open to any discussion, then it helps you be prepared for what will come next. I can do a follow-up podcast on that fun subject of navigating arguments, but for now, here are two positive ways that this can play out. So the parent, no, you're not going to Jeremy's house tonight because I haven't met his parents yet. Child, well, they'll be at football practice, so you can meet them when you pick me up. The parent, I hear that you're really wanting to spend time with him. For tonight, the answer is no, and you need to accept that no answer. If you'd like to make plans for another day, we can talk about that after dinner. Or the parent, no, you're not going to Jeremy's house tonight because I haven't met his parents yet. Child, well, they'll be at football practice, so you can meet them when you pick me up. Parent, it sounds like you're wanting to problem solve this, and I think that's great. Here are a few barriers that I want you to think through and make a plan around. I need to see their home if that's where you're going. I want to meet their parents for at least five minutes so that I can exchange information and feel like I know who they are. And I can't pick you up, so you need to get a ride. If you can problem solve those things and get back to me, then we can talk about it. But I want you to remember, if I'm uncomfortable with his parents, the plan will change back to no, and that will probably be disappointing. So there's two scenarios, one where the answer was no, I wasn't open to discussion, and we left it at that. And another where the answer was no, I was open to discussion, but he needs to do the work of the problem solving to figure out how to overcome those barriers. Because sometimes I might give a rationale, but there might be a lot more to it. And we feel that weight a lot as parents. Yeah, that's great that you can solve one thing, but here's the other 800 reasons why my answer was no. <laughs> and instead of giving all of that emotional baggage to your child, just take a moment to see their point of view and see, you know, you really are wanting to do that. Okay. Here's the barriers that I see. Now I want you to go and problem solve that and come back to me. If they can do that, then great. And if they can't, then your no answer can still be a no answer. And that's okay too. Oh, so we've made it through the parent part. That's a lot of things for a parent to navigate. And it's a lot to have on your mind, especially when you're also cooking dinner or driving somewhere or navigating your own personal life and things that are going on for you. Kids' questions don't always come at the most opportune time, but use some of those tools to navigate your portion of the interaction so that your child is set up for success and that this communication that's happening between the two of you is strengthening your relationship and not damaging it. Now that we've gone through that whole parent portion, there's a whole nother little person in the equation. <laughs> so the last thing we're going to do is go over how to use preventive teaching to teach our children to accept a no answer when they're given one. This is a heavy one and it's hard for a lot of kids, but it is so powerful to teach them very clearly what your expectations are. And the expectations in your household and my household may be a little bit different, but I'm going to give an example of a couple of the steps that I use in my family that really meet my expectations. 
So I have a four-year-old, his name's Grayson, and we use really simple expectations with him. I expect him to look at me, to say, okay, and then to zip it. <laughs> and we practice that zip it so that he knows once I've told him no, he needs to look at me, say, okay, and then drop the subject and not argue about it any further. But I also work with a lot of older kids and I have an older foster daughter, for example, or I've worked with lots of teenagers in the past. And I like to expand on this a little bit more so that they know the detail and the depth that I'm really looking for. So my expectation with my older kids is that they maintain their body posture. They say, okay, with a calm voice that they dropped the subject. And if they'd like to disagree, then they need to wait three to five minutes before coming back and asking me to talk about it. Now, I've thought through, talked with my spouse, gotten on the same page, and really decided that these are the expectations that I have in my home. That's the ideal for me. That's how I'd like my kids to respond. And maybe that looks a little bit different in your family. So you can talk about it and what's okay for you and what you would like to practice with your child. But now that you've set and established your expectations for how they should respond in these situations, you need to teach it to them. So we're going to use the powerful tool of preventive teaching to teach our child how to implement this. Now, preventive teaching has six steps. The first step is to say something positive about your child's behavior or express empathy about how they're feeling. Number two, describe how you want your child to act. Now, this is those expectations that we just talked about before. Avoid telling your child what you don't want them to do, but instead focus on what you do want them to do. Step three, give your child a meaningful reason to behave that way. The reason must be meaningful to your child. And that can be hard, especially when we're talking about no answers, because a lot of times they don't want to hear no, and there's no meaningful reason why, but that's impactful to them. So I'll show you that in my demonstration. Step four, practice the expected behavior. This is the most important part of preventive teaching. Nobody likes the words role play, but this is exactly how you teach your child. Step five, find something positive that they did during the role play and correct only if necessary. And step six, continue to practice. Once your child's done it correctly, practice it three or four times. Keep on going so that they really understand it. Okay, so now that we've gone through those steps, I'll demonstrate it. I can show you a role play and I'm gonna pull my four-year-old into it because he and I practice this a lot. And so we're gonna go through, we're gonna do a role play just like we're going to the grocery store. I often use this right before those hot ticket times of getting lots of no's. So maybe right before playtime, um, right after school, headed into the grocery store or at a birthday party or before something where I know that a lot of kids are going to be asking for a lot of things and he needs to be prepared for how to use this. My son has used and implemented accepting a no answer for years now. He's done really, really well, but that doesn't mean that we stop practicing. We still use this all the time because he needs those reminders. And I find that my trips to the grocery store <laughs> are night and day difference if I practice in the parking lot versus if I skip it. So let's um, pull him in and I'll do a role play with him so you can hear it. Okay, Grayson, we're going to teach my friends how to practice. Does that sound good? Okay, can you say hi, I'm Grayson? Hi, I'm Grayson. Great job. How old are you? Four. You are four. Okay, today we're going to practice how to accept the no answer because you are really good at that when it's time to go to the grocery store, huh? You think so? Yes. Good job. Okay, so... Today, we're going to practice how to accept a no answer when mommy tells you no. Okay? Okay. Okay. So when we're at the store and you ask me for something and I say no, then it's your job to look at me, to say, okay, and then to zip it. Can you show me zip it? Good job. Okay. 
All right, it's really important that you accept that no answer so that we can be all done with the store and we can get back home so you can play with your toys. Does that make sense? Does that sound fun? Yeah. Okay. All right, we're going to practice this. And first, I'm going to demonstrate it for you, okay? So you get to be mommy and I'm going to be Grayson, okay? Okay. Okay. So in this practice, I'm going to ask you for mm, a candy and you're going to tell me no. And I'm going to say, okay, zip it and look at you. Sound good? Okay, let's practice. Hey, mommy, can I have this candy? No. Okay. Did I do it? Did I do a good job? <laughs> okay, good. All right, now we're going to do you, okay? Yeah. All right, why don't you ask me for, what do you want to ask? A candy, cotton candy. A cotton candy. Okay, go ahead. Can I have this cotton candy? No. Okay. Good job. <laughs> Great job. Okay, let's practice it again. Ask me for a cereal. Can I have a cereal? No. Okay. Good job. Nice work. Okay, and one more. Let's do another one. Um, why don't you ask me for a puppy? Can I have a puppy? No, silly. <laughs> okay. Good job. Okay, so those are all things that you might want at the store and you might ask me for, but I'm going to say no and you need to say okay and to look at me and to zip it. Got it? Okay, great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, so that's how I might do a role play with my four-year-old. With my teenagers, it might not be as animated, but it does follow all of those same exact steps. So again, step one, say something positive. Two, describe how you want them to behave. Three, give them a meaningful reason why. And four, practice. Step five is say something positive that they did during the role play or correct them if necessary. And six, continue to practice. I hope that you guys learned something from this podcast of accepting a no answer and that it was helpful for you and your families. There are a couple of follow-up podcasts that I thought of while doing this topic, things like how to teach your child to disagree in an appropriate way or navigating an argument or what to do when the other parent says yes and you're thinking, no way. <laughs> There's some of these follow-up podcast ideas that I have, but I'd love to get your input. I rely heavily on your feedback to know what you want to hear. So please comment or message us on Instagram at Smarter Parenting so I can hear what you'd like to have in future podcasts. Enjoy using these steps and I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>